today on the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing, it's something new! Brian and I are taking a monthly look at regional wrestling television of the 70s and 80s, starting right here in our own backyard. Buckle up for our review of WWF-TV from May of 1977 as we go trucking through the territories. And when we hit 88 miles an hour, you're going to see some serious shit, Mike. (laughs) You sure are. Plus, a little bit later, your promo about nothing and so much more. But first, tell him, George. I think I can sum up the show for you with one word. Nothing. Wrestling fans, there are millions and millions of podcasts out there, but there's nothing like this one. Do you ever just get down on your knees and thank God that you know me and have access to my dimension? This is the wrestling podcast about nothing. Nothing? Nothing. Welcome to the wrestling podcast about nothing, episode 142, a production of Crackpot Podcasts. My name is Mike Crockett. I'm a longtime independent wrestling referee in the Northeast, currently on an extended hiatus from the ring. And joining me, as always, is a veteran of the New England Independent Matt Wars. Now, he is a Ring of Honor wrestler. He is Mr. Inside Edition. He is the brand new ring and defending chaotic wrestling heavyweight champion, the Kingpin, Brian Malonis. Mike, I said right in my interview, it's not just about a championship belt. So, I mean... You know, it was about more than that. It was about beating respect into somebody, which may or may not have worked. <laughs> <laughs> I was in attendance on Friday in Woober, Massachusetts. You were. And uh, <laughs> deja vu all over again, us recording here, because <laughs> seems like we did this once before already. Yeah, I thought, I thought we did, but uh, apparently not. Here you are, Sunday night. I can uh, get texts from you being a wine ass later in the week because you had to stay up till four in the morning editing. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes this week. We'll see how it goes this week. I'm gonna flub and flop and flip and flap all over the place on this episode, Mike. <laughs> More than usual. <laughs> you don't have to edit out that. Edit out that much. Well, mm. all right. Well, Brian, Happy New Year, by the way. Yes, Happy New Year, Mike. Happy 2019. It didn't go swimmingly for you. You didn't win the championship. Let's pass Friday night. I did not. No. But there's plenty more big things to come. It's always big things to come for the Kingpin. We're going to talk about it more a little bit later on. But first, I want you guys out there to visit the WPAN.com. That is the WPAN.com. That is our website, our home base, our hub, the hub of the wrestling podcast about nothing. There you can listen to the podcast episodes through the website. You can find all the ways to subscribe to the wrestling podcast about nothing through all the different options. Now, Brian iHeartRadio. We are on iHeartRadio. This is a a two-month odyssey that I went through to finally get the WPAN on iHeartRadio. It's a big deal. I didn't even know you were doing this. I know. I did it uh, right behind your back. (laughs) But we are on iHeartRadio as well as Spotify, so many other places. So uh, You got money rolling in now? It's coming. It's coming. Any day now. (laughs) Big things are coming. Any day now. Keep an eye (laughs) on your mailbox, Brian. Okay, cool. Plus, find our social media links. We are basically at the WPAN, every single place you can find uh, social media. Also, our bios, our biographies, if you want to know more about the both of us, and photos. Yes, both nudes uh, in tandem and solo. Brian, <laughs> let's not get the people. We don't want to crash the website, Brian, <laughs> so early in the year. Very true. Okay, so uh, BrianMalonis.com is also a way you can support the Kingpin in the new year. Yes, wonderful t-shirts over there. Go 
buy. You're too late on the 28% offset. Oh, wait, no, I think it goes to like the 8th or something. So if you head over to BrianMalonis.com, I think you can still get 20% off. The Wrestle Kingdom code? The Wrestle Kingdom, yeah, the Wrestle Kingdom sale. Even if you can, go support me. Come on, buy a t-shirt. I don't know. That's, <laughs> that's the best. That's the that's best. A new sales got. pitch. Come yeah. on, come on. Yeah. What do you want from me, Mike? All right. Well, this is my resolution to get right into the meat of the episode, Brian. We did the little plugs, and now we're going right to the meat because uh, we had our WPAN powwow after we recorded the episode last week. Yes. We discussed many things about what's going to be happening with this podcast going forward into 2019, and we came up with a schedule. And we'll talk more about that in a little bit. Schedule. <laughs> yes, if you're British, it's a schedule. But one of the things we decided to do that's going to be really excited is we're going to basically check out wrestling television programs from all the different territories of the 70s and 80s, once a month. Yeah, stuff that we weren't exposed to for any number of reasons. Either we weren't old enough or uh, didn't get it in our area. So pretty excited to take a look at some stuff that never seen before. So very, very exciting. Yeah, basically, I mean, when I started watching 88, everything was just basically you had WWF, you had NWA, you had like Memphis was still around, a couple more maybe, but it was basically in the uh, death knell. It's, it's amazing how much older you are than me that I've watched wrestling so much longer than you. I mean, I was watching at like three, four years old and uh, you haven't watched in like five years. So, I mean, <laughs> I really got you beat here. Uh, anyway, Brian, I decided we're going to start... In our home base, our home territory, because what we're doing right now is we are going to be trucking through the territories. Oh, boy. We can't throw a, a sound clip in there or something like that. That was a sound clip. Huh. That was it. All right. I'll play it again. Huh. It's almost as good as a dirt sheet shuffle. Um, almost. Almost. <laughs> so we're going to start in our home base, and then we're going to figure out whether we're going to go south or we're going to go west. We're going to kind of truck around the United States of America and then uh, wind up back at home at some point years from now, probably. Yeah, we'll, we'll take suggestions, too. Like, if there's good episodes of TV out there, maybe stuff we didn't even think of, you know. Let us know at the WPAN. But, yes, we started with the Worldwide Wrestling Federation, the WWWF. Championship Wrestling. This was uh, on YouTube from May of 1977. No exact date on the YouTube uh, video. But uh, Rookie Mistake was made very early on. Our, our first foray here into trucking through the territories. I took this video from YouTube and it was ripped from WWE Classics on Demand. Yes, that old uh, service. I had it on through Comcast, but it was like a on demand and they'd load stuff up like what it was it once a month they'd load stuff up yeah and it was like you know like themed months and right 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 like you know like 20 or so hours of content or so each month yeah the precursor basically to the network but the fact that it was basically ripped from this classes on demand service means that there were no localized promos no commercials so it was basically just a bunch of really short squash matches. <laughs> yes, yes, it was. A little disappointing that there's no uh, real promos. You don't see the guys like, you know, Lou Albano, Freddie Blassie, Superstar Graham is on the show, but no promo. But uh, this episode of WWWF Championship Wrestling from May of 1977 opened with Muhammad Ali. It did. Just in the uh, the open, the music. Oh, I was like, what? Did I, did I sleep through something? <laughs> the very here? first thing you see is Muhammad Ali as they have the very dated 1970s music bed for the opening little sequence. A little v 
Vince McMahon spiel, like the following wrestling exhibition. Yes, yes, that you hear on Greetings from Allentown every week. And by the way, speaking of Greetings from Allentown, I went like full Winston on this because I still don't have a laptop. I left my laptop charger at the uh, New England Pro Wrestling Academy probably a month and a half ago now, two months ago. When did you go to Florida? A couple months ago now? Yeah, right before Thanksgiving. So uh, I had to write on a legal pad here. So uh, very reminiscent of one Peter Winston you'll hear on if you listen to Greetings from Allentown, the the pages flipping, and that's what you're going to hear here <laughs> as I try to decipher my chicken scratch. Yeah, here. and if you uh, you know pay us forty nine ninety nine a month in Patreon, we'll give you our notes from the uh, show. <laughs> <laughs> it's very Pritchard of you. Uh, so yeah, it starts with Muhammad Ali, and then Gorilla Monsoon putting him in a uh, airplane spin. You see Baron von Raschka. It's not Von Raschke, as we will come to know later in the episode. (laughs) Uh, Andre the Giant, you see him, uh, the famous uh, thing where he's holding a bunch of people. A couple of little people. Yes, on his shoulders. Uh, A couple more little things. But the music, of course, very 1970s. (laughs) And we hear Vince McMahon's voiceover talking about what's coming up on the show. George Steele will be here. Taru Tanaka. Yeah, yeah. He had some very funny pronunciations on a couple of people. From Vince, yes. Uh, and the Baron Rashka and Stan Stasiak versus Tony Gurria and Larry Zabisco. That is your main event of this program. We will see. What a main event. <laughs> what a main event it is. Later on, we'll talk about that one. But Vince McMahon in a canary yellow blazer <laughs> and that arm behind his back firmly behind yes. his back you see like he's like very tight and tense and like i don't know if that's some sort of like tv thing you're supposed to do in that era or what but it i mean his arm had to have hurt by the, wouldn't by be the surprised if it was tied back there <laughs> like he's trying to get it out it almost looked like but it wasn't going anywhere <laughs> so Vince uh, announces to us that superstar Billy Graham is the new WWWF heavyweight champion of the world, defeating Bruno Sammartino in Baltimore on April the 30th of 1977. So we're going to go to some highlights of this match yes. from Baltimore. Very exciting. So we see... I mean, as a, as a fan back in that day, though, I mean, that... Think, I mean, none of it was televised. Like Billy Graham didn't win the title on pay per view. So, if you're a fan, this could be the very first. Imagine that it's the very first time you're hearing that Billy Graham is the champion, defeating Bruno San Martino to be the champion for years. Like that's kind of insane news. I can't imagine being a fan and being like, like I, I just picture like being a fan of that era and just like what. Like, what? Your mind is blown. <laughs> yeah, for a lot of people, it probably was the first time. I mean, uh, this happened the very end of April, and this TV taping is in May, so it could have happened just uh, a couple weeks ago at this point. Yeah, cra- I mean, crazy. It, it's so different, I think. So I think the context of a lot of this is very different. Like, why are they even bothering talking about this, showing this? Like, because, like, this is this is literally Vince McMahon delivering the news to most of the people watching that Bruno San Martino is no longer the WWWF champion. So you might ask why they showed this. but I mean, I ask why did they show this? Put the emphasis on <laughs> why did they show this? Because basically all they show is Superstar Billy Graham pushing Bruno into the corner, and Bruno kind of hits the buckle hard. It makes a really loud noise, a really a good loud noise. And then there's like a super abrupt cut, and Vince was obviously doing this uh, commentary live because the commentary cut cuts as well and it's very like a strange jarring cut and it goes to superstar billy graham sliding out of the ring feet first 
and then rolling back in the ring, begging off, and that's all we see. Well, I mean, you kind of get an explanation why, though, afterwards, because Mr. Command is talking about how they're going to continue to show highlights from that match in the coming weeks. Right. Well, I mean, these weren't highlights. This is nothing. Well, I, it feels like they're going to kind of piece together this, I mean, at least for me, and we didn't go and watch the subsequent episodes, and I don't think we probably will at this point, but no. it feels like to me this was their way of showing that match on television without showing that match on television and getting you to kind of come back the following week. Yeah, and it's pretty smart, but and just <laughs> this didn't really entice me. I'm not going to really want to <laughs> seek out next week if this is how uh, brief and uh, uneventful the highlights are going to be. Again, though, but you're you're again, but you're talking about. I mean, this is a build up to a championship change that they might see the championship change. Like again, this is not the era of where you would just see championship changes on TV. Um, I think for this era, probably really smart and cutting edge. Probably, and I'm really interested to see maybe actually if they ever do show the actual finish. Now you're going to go back. I, I've, I'm going to talk to you at the end of the week. I've been watching nothing but uh, <laughs> WWF Championship Wrestling from 77. <laughs> <laughs> maybe not. Uh, but they come back to Vince from this. Uh, basically, what we've seen the past minute was just Graham rolling out of the ring, rolling back in, and begging off. And then Vince McMahon comes back and says, oh, we just showed you that grueling part of the match. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> not exactly, Vinnie Mac. Not exactly. But anyway, from there we go to our opening contest on the show. And the ring announcer for Championship Wrestling, the WWF at this time, our pal Gary Michael Capetta. Yes. Long before he was making us uh, Thanksgiving sandwiches at four in the morning. Yes. Uh, for people that don't know, uh, we would go down to Delaware for Jim Kettner's ECWA. Occasionally, uh, depending on who we were with, usually it was uh, I was going with uh, Arch Kincaid and John Walters, and we would stop at GMC's, Gary Michael Capetta's house. And crosses, he was, cross the moat to his house. Yes, it was kind of like, yeah, he's in the middle of the woods, in the middle of nowhere. We'd leave like work and hop in a car, drive on a Friday night, and end up getting to GMC's, yeah, like two or three in the morning. And then we'd eat something. We'd talk to him. Yeah, and well, you couldn't go right to bed. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so then we'd end up sleeping for like a couple hours. And then Arch would wake us up to go to the gym. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, I was with you and Tommaso. And you and Tommaso made me get up to go. We went to bed at 6 a.m. And you idiots, even though we had to be, we had to wrestle that night and then drive all night home. Well, no, we have to go to the gym on three hours sleep. It was like nine o'clock. We're going to get up at nine and go to the gym. Why? Anyways. <laughs> Look what happened to Tommaso. Just because of stuff like that. Yeah? Is that, is that what yes. happened? Yes. <laughs> it just <laughs> took him right to the very top of NXT. Yeah, sure it did. <laughs> I don't know what happened with you, but took you to the top of Ring of Honor. Maybe, maybe he'd be the Universal Champion, so the NXT Champion, if uh, he had gotten that extra three, four hours of sleep. <laughs> all right. Well, Gary Capetta, yes, you're a ring announcer, and he goes through all the usual rules and regulations and announces of all the officials at ringside and all this stuff, and we go into our first match. You didn't even know the refs. I'm, I'm ashamed of you. Yeah. You this know your is referee history. Before my time, you got Dick Worley. You got uh, the other Dick. What's his, the other Dick? I don't know. Dick Grayson? I don't pay attention to referees. <laughs> They're irrelevant. <laughs> <laughs> Stood on my way count three. Exactly. Right? So it was Jed Nelson, or was it Jan Nelson? It was Jan Nelson. But oh. I believe GMC announced him as Jed. No, I'm pretty sure he said Jan, because I thought he said Jan too, and then you said Jed. 
I was like, I don't know. I think he said Jan. Whatever the fuck. Anyway, he was wrestling Bob Backlund, a very feathered haired Bob Backlund. <laughs> yes, and it, there's a couple points in this match, and then immediately after match, where you realize, like, well, Bob Backlund was cooked back in 1977 as well. <laughs> I thought maybe he just got crazy as he got older, but no, he was a crackpot in 1977, I'm pretty sure. But his hair is so feathered. It is. Very lovely. Nothing wrong with that. I, I'm, I'm very appreciative of his bathrobe that he stole from the, the Hilton that they were staying at down the road. It's very uh, Aaron <laughs> Stevens-like. Damien Sandow. Vern Gagne. <laughs> uh, so chain wrestling early on. Kingpin in this one. Lots of hammerlock reversals. Some uh, A full Nelson reversal. And a very unique <laughs> way to get out of a full Nelson. Not not seen a, a, a whole bunch on championship wrestling, wrestling, as this man told us. <laughs> yes, yeah, so he he he's in a full Nelson and he puts his leg in the air and folds his arms underneath it and then leans forward and then the guy takes a bump over his. Yeah, back. It, was, it, it was interesting. Maybe maybe it was a sh- maybe he just shot it on him. <laughs> Possibly because the, I don't think the guy really knew. What he was supposed to do? I think he's supposed to kind of break the hold, but he really didn't. When you because when you do that like thing, usually it's it's to break the guy's hold, break the hands from the from the back of the neck, but it didn't quite happen that way. Jay but Nelson very green. I looked up a couple couple facts on him. He, oh, he, you're he, the fact finder of yeah, this. Yeah, he was uh, he was trained in 1976, same class as Ricky Steamboat by Vern Gagne and Billy Robinson. How about really that? So Richard Blood? He's only like a year in at this at this point, Jan Nelson. I see. Well, uh, let me see here. Boy, flipping through your notepad. Oh my goodness! I can't even read that. Pages are sticking together. So, uh, it's not a Playboy, Mike. <laughs> so, a monkey flip from um, Mr. Bob Backlund, not Mister, but Bob Backlund, followed by a couple of arm drags, an arm ringer, back to the hammerlock again, and we hear from Vince McMahon that Bob Backlund's a fine young gentleman. <laughs> if you have the opportunity to meet him, he highly suggests it. Oh. I have met him. <laughs> there was actually more action in this match than I would have anticipated from a Bob Backlund match in 1977, I got to admit. Probably the most action that we saw all night long. I think by a, by a mile. <laughs> yeah. So back to an overhead hammerlock now by Bob Backlund. And then finally, Jed Jan Nelson gets on top of him, forearms to the back, a backdrop on Bob Backlund. And Nelson whips him to the corner, but it gets reversed. And an awkward backdrop is taken by Mr. Jed Jan Nelson, followed up by the atomic drop, the atomic spine crusher, I think is what it's legally called. But of course, Vince McMahon didn't call it. It was a what a maneuver, essentially. (laughs) So the big atomic drop is the finish of this match. Finish in 1977, huh? Atomic drop is a finish in 1977, (laughs) yes. So that gets a three count. So uh, Back in my day. You think think Bob Backlund, when he got like, you know, he's in the WWF for for that run in the early 90s, was watching guys uh, throw uh, atomic drops as comedy spots and telling people... That was my finish back in the day, and the people <laughs> believed it. <laughs> I think he was going to go out there and use it as a finish, but he's like, fuck. I got to come up with something else. <laughs> Holy shit. So they went to the replay of the full Nelson reversal. That got a replay, which was a little strange. <laughs> and then they cut to the crowd, and then they go to the next replay, which is the monkey flip. Then they cut back to the crowd again, and then they go to the atomic drop finish. It seems like the the replay machine takes a little while to to kick in, so there's these awkward moments where they have to basically wait for the uh, replay to come up before <laughs> they go to it. We move on to the next. Well, hold on, hold on. We gotta. I mean, I did look up another fact about our friend Jan Nelson. Oh, excuse I'm me. Curious what else he did in the business? Yes, 
He died a year later. Really? A yes. year later? Apparently, according to Ricky Steamboat, he OD'd in the bathroom at a Rolling Stones concert in 1978. So, I just thought it was an interesting fact. This interesting. Guy, this, guy, this guy died like a year after this match. Interesting. Not uplifting, but interesting. No. So, RIP, Jan Jad Nelson. Yeah, it's going to be tough to uh, do the rest of this episode without that man. <laughs> we'll see what we can do. We'll trudge through, Kingpin. <laughs> All right. Johnny Rivera is up next, taking on Professor Taru <laughs> Tanaka, as uh, dubbed by Vince McMahon. Yes, with classy Freddie Blassie. In his corner, yes. The uh, best Japanese wrestler in the world, according to Freddie Blassie, is Toru Tanaka. And uh, why were all of the enhancement talent here from Puerto Rico? <laughs> you know you know what I kind of figured? It's a little, I guess it's a little different, but... You know, when you're promotion in New England or something. I remember, you know, I'm sure you remember these days of like, oh, we think this guy's coming from New Jersey. Hey, how many guys can you can you bring with you? <laughs> like, like, you know, can you get a car full? <laughs> you know, Basically. I, I, feel, I feel like, you know, like, you know, maybe they got a deal on like, you know, oh, you know, we buy four plane tickets. But hey, you know, what? can you get four other guys? We get the hell of a deal if you get like eight guys to come over all at once. Yeah, it was just like every guy they said was basically from Puerto Rico and GMC, Gary Michael Capetta, if you don't know, his day job, I mean, he had a day job most of, well, except when he was uh, full-time in WCW, but a lot of the time, his full-time job was he was a Spanish teacher. So he really showed off his Spanish chops (laughs) uh, on this show. Uh, Johnny Rivera! So much pride. So much pride (laughs) in his uh, Spanish-speaking ability there. Much Much like you. Well... Not so much pride <laughs> in my lack of shame. Shame a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> so Toru Tanaka, of course, most famously from Pee Wee's Big Adventure. I don't know if that's is that most famously where he's to from? me anyway. <laughs> to me, you know, he's the bodyguard of the the Buxton family. Yes. Pee Wee comes to the door and says, "Where's Francis?" And he says, uh, "Toru Tanaka says he's taking his bath." And Pee Wee replies, "Oh, really? Where are they hosing him down?" That's all right. This is really turning into a greetings from Allentown episode <laughs> right now. <laughs> Thanks, PW, for the uh, template. PW, there you go. PW, Pee Wee Herman. I would say mo- most famously, Toro Tanaka is the partner of Mr. Fuji, but. Well, that's you. <laughs> that's you, anyway. <laughs> of course, uh, Toro Tanaka, he's a man of uh, Asian descent. He has ceremonial salt. He does have ceremonial salt, and it was very, you know, like, there wasn't much of a ceremony, though. I mean, I think of, like, Yokozuna and the way he used to do it, and I, I don't know. It was just like, you kind of had, like, a baggie, and just was like, eh, fuck it. Like, <laughs> he's like, uh, I'm Japanese, so they make me do this fucking yeah. shit. So it's he's like, not even Japanese. He's from Hawaii, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's one of these fucking things where, yeah, <laughs> just trying to get through it. He is built like a brick shithouse. He kinda, his, his body kind of reminds me of, like, Jim the Anvil Nightheart's. Like, yes. Like, just big chest and shoulders and, like, the big beer belly. Like a Sherman tank, according yeah. to Vince McMahon on <laughs> yeah, commentary. Not, not not totally inaccurate. And, of course, he is a master of the martial arts because... From Japan. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, and the chops he threw sucked, too. <laughs> <laughs> they really did. It was just like, you know, again, it was just like, <laughs> he's completely disgusted with this gimmick. Just like, oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah, basically. So, a lot of chokes in this match. A lot of uh, stuff that he's trying to hide from the referee. At one point, Freddie Blassie walks over to Vince McMahon on commentary and uh, starts jibber jabbering. You thought maybe that it was recorded some other time. Yeah, I guess. I guess when I think about it now, it must be just because Vince probably only had one microphone, so that's why he couldn't like banter really 
back and forth with him because I thought maybe it was a cut because it's just Blassie talking for what, like 30, 45 seconds, something like that. Something like that. And you don't hear Vince at all, and then Vince comes back in. So I was thinking, like, oh, maybe they spliced that back in, but it's probably just because Vince was solo the whole time and they only had one microphone. Right. That's probably right. So there's a nerve hold by. Of course, a nerve hold. <laughs> by Toru Tanaka. And All your stereotypical Japanese wrestler spots featured heavily in this 1977 bout. A head vice as well. And then a Japanese sleeper hold, Brian. <laughs> yes, it was. Also known as. The Million Dollar Dream. And the Cobra Clutch. <laughs> yes. Yes. So it was a Japanese sleeper hold as called by. Vince McMahon, and then he doesn't wait for the submission. He just basically takes him and whips him down on the canvas really hard, which looks pretty good. Yeah, good on Johnny Rivera there. That was the uh, that was the best thing in the whole match. And then <laughs> a, a three count from there. So Toru Tanaka gets the Duke over Johnny Rivera. The Duke, the Duke. Yeah, what the win. You ever heard of gets the Duke? No. That's what you say when someone gets the win. They get the Duke. What are you coming up with that? Not Duke of Dorchester. No, I I know. It's just like I, I don't know. Is... You've never heard of getting the Duke? No. Help me out, people on Twitter That's and stuff stupid. like that. Why would you say that? Get the Duke. Oh my god. Oh my, what the fuck. Anyway, no <laughs> replay after that. Strangely, or not so strangely, <laughs> they because get it's really up fast enough. <laughs> no, there's nothing really to show. <laughs> Very true. Ceremonial assault, though. Sir, <laughs> they could have showed that. <laughs> if you slowed it down, maybe you could actually see it happening because it happened so quickly. Johnny Rivera, not not uh, the biggest superstar on earth either. Uh, had a couple title runs uh, in the uh, the junior heavyweight title and then also the tag team championships with Innovator 1 and WWC, the World Wrestling Council in Puerto Rico. Uh-huh. So nothing else really of note in the United States that I could find. All right, thank you, Mr. Fact Finder Kingpin. You are welcome. All right, we go on to Frank Monroe. This, this, this is special, Mike. This is very, very special because Frank Monroe, I, I found out, and it was the only thing I found out about him, Yes, was the original Moose Monroe. And I'm sitting next to another The, the Moose second Monroe. coming of Moose Monroe. Probably the third or fourth or fifth. Probably, but, <laughs> but this is the guy that they named me after. It was Gino Martino and, and Ali Muhammad who came up with the Moose Monroe name, and they flat out told me it was a guy in the... 70s and they just liked it because they were in the moose lodges so they thought it fit yeah i mean that's a good idea get the people behind you right you're or you were your heel no it's a baby face i'd come out and yell moose there you go nothing wrong with that stupid shit (laughs) so frank Monroe was taking on the co-holder of the wwwf tag team championships he is the indian billy white wolf watch your mouth that's i'm just uh, repeating what gmc said maybe you shouldn't Maybe I shouldn't. Uh, so Billy White Wolf, also known later, and this is a really uh, a switch. First, he is a Native American, Billy White Wolf. He becomes an Iraqi. He doesn't become an Iraqi. He is Iraqi. Is it? He's a, the entire time. He is a. Uh, he yeah. He's he's from Iraq. He I, I read up a little fact on him. And well, like, so he's General Adnan, by the way. You Adnan on KC. Yeah. Sheik Adnan Al Casey, yes. but yeah, he, you know it's funny. Vince McMahon or whoever, you know, whoever was, you know, I, I, I don't know. Maybe he came up with it himself, but he goes from one racist, stereotypical gimmick to another <laughs> in his in his career. But apparently, Mike, here we go. Fun fact: Yes, he was high school friends with Saddam Hussein. You would you call that a fun fact? Mm, I don't know. It's a fun fact, I guess. It's pretty okay. fun. He beat Andre the Giant in Iraq in 1971. Who says who? Wikipedia. 
I didn't see that in the after mags. <laughs> Don't call him the after mags. Excuse me. Uh, so, yes, Billy White Wolf versus Frank Monroe. And the referee, I think it's a dick. I don't think it's whirly. I don't know. I don't pay attention to referees. But the referee was wearing gray pants, which is always <laughs> a, an issue with me. Oh, boy. it's it's. I feel like in the 70s and like some of the early, even some of the 80s, like you'd have events where referees were in completely different outfits. Like sometimes some of them would be in like a bow tie and some of them would be in like a referee's jersey. And then like I, I want to say there's been times where it's just like like a purple shirt or something like it's all over the place, the referees. Yeah, it is. It is all over the place. And uh, as evident by the gray pants on the referee here. So Moose Monroe, Frank Monroe, is a tall, long-haired, hairy fella. He's a big jobber. He is a, a good-sized fella. He kind of re- uh, reminded me a little bit of uh, Iron Mike Sharp, just in terms of his demeanor. I mean, Iron Mike Sharp, he's, he's got a little gut on him and yeah, stuff like I guess. that. I mean, he almost had like a Bruiser Brody-ish type look and vibe to him just out of shape and monroe was kind of all over billy white wolf for basically the majority of this match just taking over and pounding uh mr white wolf into the ground so at one point all two minutes and 38 seconds of it right so uh frank was on the outside at one point and ends up taking a hard way in from billy white wolf and that basically starts up the comeback so a lot of chop based offense as you would expect in 1977 from a Native American <laughs> character. The finish, this is a highlight, I would say. This is something you could put on a highlight reel. It was basically like a whoopee cushion. Well, more like an earthquake splash because it's from the mat. He just uh, jumps over his legs and sits onto the guy's chest and uh, pops right back up and then hits a splash across the guy's chest. Yeah, one of the most athletic things we saw on this entire show. So that gets the three count. So Billy White Wolf goes over. Frank Monroe gave Frankie Boy a good majority of this matchup, but uh, Billy White Wolf comes out on top in the end and after the match there was a very strange thing where gmc gets in the ring to make the call and moose monroe goes over there and basically hugs him <laughs> like he like he, uh, and vince says oh he doesn't know where he is right now and he goes over and then he kind of falls out of the ring and falls down the steps selling the uh the loss to billy white he's trying to get a job <laughs> he's trying to get, and uh, it didn't quite work out for him no it didn't and it didn't work out for me as moose monroe either so no terrible name it's uh it's cursed so there was a replay of the uh, earthquake splash into the splash from billy white wolf as we go into break we come back to Mr. Don Serrano from Puerto Rico. Would you of like course. A, would you like a fun fact about Don Serrano? Please. All right. He had Hulk Hogan's first ever match in August of 77 with Hulk Hogan being the Super Destroyer. How about that? Wait, first, I thought it was the first ever WWF match. First ever. First ever match. And Hogan was under a hood. Yeah, uh, just that he was the Super Destroyer. I'm assuming that means he was under a hood, but. It didn't say. It was like a little blurb that he had in August of 77, wrestled Hulk Hogan in Hulk Hogan's first ever match. Now, that is a fun fact. That will give fact. you. That is fun. That is interesting. And Don Serrano, a footnote in history. Yeah, he did nothing else in his career. <laughs> well, he did wrestle George Steele here. Yes, he did. Which, Garamal Cupetta just calls him George Steele. No animal. But, of course, Vince McMahon is all over calling him animal. And Do you think it was kind of like... You know, Psycho Sid or something. Don't like call it. me Psycho. Yeah, kind don't of thing. call. Yeah, don't call him the animal to his face. Type Perhaps of because I know from Gary McCapetta's book that there was a a relationship there with uh, Gary McCapetta and I. Can, I just can't say Gary. I have to say the whole name. 
It's like one of those things you have to say the whole name. But uh, him and George Steele, where George Steele would like chase him around the ring, and GMC always had a, a flower in his lapel, and Anna will go after that and try to like rip his clothes off. So maybe it's something where he's just not going to call him Animal to get him upset. Uh, that's probably maybe, something yeah. to that. But uh, anyway, yeah, Vince McMahon is all over George Steele. It says, uh, look at the animal. Look at the ugly folds of skin. <laughs> and he talks about, when he takes that shirt off, you're going to see that it looks more like fur than hair. There's so much of it. But uh, yeah, Vince is just all over George Steele from the get-go here. As, as children of the 80s, as, as, as we are, or, you know, or the era we grew up in, I don't know. George Steele was probably already gone, but he started watching. But uh, I have very vivid memories of George Steele and Captain Lou Albano as lovable baby faces on on my television screen every week. So in the eighties, this vicious heel tandem kind of become caricatures of themselves and lovable goofball characters in the eighties. Yeah, I was on the very tail end when he came back and he had mine, the little stuffed thing that looked like him. Yeah, his action figure comes with that. My my son has the George Steele action figure, and it comes with mine. Yeah, that, that's what I caught when I was uh, watching wrestling. I never saw him as a heel, but he was a heel right here. And, of course, wearing the exact same gear he wore uh, apparently throughout his entire career. because Never wearing, bought any new stuff. Wearing it at the end. <laughs> but uh, the only thing difference here, George Steele, a little fitter, a little thinner. Um, and I wouldn't say he was, like, muscular anyway, just uh, leaner. Strong. Like, he yeah. had, like, that, you know. Doesn't look like he goes to the gym, but looks like he could rip a car door off. Sort of look to him. Yeah, exactly. So he attacks. George Steele does. Attacks Mr. Serrano before the bell. And like a minute later, he's pounding on Don Serrano for like a minute. And then Vince says, and we're set for action. It's like (laughs) the bell rang like a minute ago. (laughs) Wake up, Vince, for crying out loud. So George just working on that left arm the entire time to set up for his finish, which is the chicken wing submission where he elevates him in the air. And, of course, Don Serrano submits at two minutes, eight seconds into this matchup. George Steele. Uh, we failed to mention that Captain Lou Albano was at ringside, but he was basically a footnote because we never really heard from He's him. We barely saw him. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah it's funny. Uh, Vince is so toned down in, in this. It's not, when you think of Vince McMahon commentary, this is not what I think of. You know, I, I'm, the, I'm so used to the over the top. Ah, one, two, three. No, he got him. No, he didn't. Like, you know, just over the top. No, this is like, yeah, he's under his dad's thumb, and he's he's still new, and he, he flubs a little bit here and there, maybe a little unsure of himself. Yeah, this is this is young, inexperienced Vince. Yes, very very much so. Not not yet jaded to the world, Vince McMahon. And he didn't know the names of the holds yet, but then again, he never did. <laughs> so anyway, after the match, George Steele kind of goes to a turnbuckle and looks at it, and Vince says he has a fetish for turnbuckles. <laughs> okay, that's one way to put it. It's the fuck turnbuckle. That's <laughs> one way to put it. But anyway, he doesn't go and rip apart the turnbuckle as he is uh, known to do later on, I guess. But he doesn't do it here. Can't do it at TV tapings. Come on. Uh, that's true. You don't want to take 10 minutes to repair it afterwards. Especially when they're watching 18,000. I can't imagine how many matches they saw. It's probably like a six or seven hour taping where they probably saw like a hundred matches. Yeah, I'm not sure if this is uh, Allentown or not. I know they did Allentown and what's the other one? They, they, they do a really good job at, at disguising that it's not like a big arena. 
you know, the, so the crowd's so dark, and uh, I'm pretty sure it's similar to a studio, a little bit bigger. I'd say it's more like size, like a school gym or something. But it's not like, like that. when you watch, like when you watch some of the old NWA stuff. And this is not a knock on it or anything, but when you watch some of the old NWA stuff, it's very obvious that they're in a studio. They don't really try to hide the fact that they're in a studio and not in, a, in an arena. It feels like they were trying to hide it and did a pretty good job of it. And just the presentation, I mean, is just so stunningly different from the wrestling of today, you know, or even the wrestling of the 80s. It's just dark and dingy and, like, you know, the crowd. The, the other funny thing I think about whenever you watch older wrestling, whether it's this era or different eras, is the just stark contrast in the audience compared to then to now where i feel like when you look at the audiences of like the 70s and even into the 80s it's all like older people it's like you know it's it's all grown-ups there's very few children and you know and now it's complete polar opposite it's like you know it's families it's dads with their sons and you know whatever like it's it's younger people where that era you could, i mean it's people in like button-up shirts and like yeah. slacks and stuff it's weird it's gonna be very interesting as we go through this as we're uh, chucking through the territories it's gonna be very interesting to compare like the production value the looks of the arenas as we go through each and every how uh, many territory. teeth the fans have <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if the production's that good that we can go that close and be able to count the teeth. Uh, but assumptions can be made. Well, probably with some of them. But uh, we see the replay of the chicken wing for George Steele, and then we go to commercial. We come back to a non-title affair, which is made clear by Gary Malcopetto right before the bell rings, as Mike Madero from where? Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico. This guy did nothing ever. I searched. I found like you know this the listing of like this match and apparently he had like sixteen enhancement matches on like whatever championship or all star wrestling or whatever and that's about it. I think literally he had done nothing. He hadn't gone to wrestling <laughs> school. We'll talk about it in a minute. But this guy, holy shit, Mike Madero, and he's a, his opponent is the brand new Worldwide Wrestling Federation heavyweight champion of the world, superstar Billy Graham. With the Grand Wizard. What, what do you think the vetting out process was at this point for... Now, we've been to TV where they're looking for enhancement talent and guys to use. They get you in the ring. They work you out earlier. What do you, what do you think it was at this point? Probably just like somebody comes with somebody and like, oh, hey, use this guy. Essentially. <laughs> I think that's what it was at that point. I mean, I mean just like there's no way they put this guy in a ring beforehand. <laughs> Mike Madero. What, is, what do you mean? Not a, not, not a chance in hell because this guy couldn't run the ropes he did not to post for a body slam we'll get into it in a second here what a what a fucking physical specimen <laughs> superstar billy Graham. watch is. your mouth brian malonis <laughs> i'm sorry you make fun of me all the time when i get super impressed with physiques but especially in this era like oh my god like billy Graham just stands out so much from even like the other stars on the show, even from a guy like a Bob Backlund, you know um who i believe that he ultimately loses the wwf championship too yeah. correct yeah so just unbelievable and, and just like how big he is just not not just muscular but he's really tall he just stands out in the in this era like i, I think wasn't the name of his dvd like ahead of his time or something like that mm, i'm not I, sure that it was i feel like it was something like that but it, it just he was ahead of his time like this guy would be well maybe maybe not in 2019 but like the attitude era billy graham would <laughs> Would have fit in quite nicely. You and Vince McMahon both uh, drooling profusely <laughs> over the uh, physique of one superstar. Billy I would Graham. have liked to rub the oil on uh, superstar <laughs> Billy Graham like the Grand Wizard. I think you to. really have to fight the Grand Wizard to uh, be able to <laughs> rub the baby oil. Why is that, Mike? 
on Superstar Billy Graham because Grant wears it as his manager. Oh, okay. And he's going to be the one to take care of such things. Okay. So uh, Billy Graham, of course, really put together, as Vince would say, and uh, the oh, Grand Wizard. And, and you and you said. What did I say? You said you don't you don't look like that waiting around for the bus. That's that's for damn sure. <laughs> I would be remiss if I didn't mention some amazing plumage on the uh, headdress <laughs> of the Grand Wizard. Yes, it was outrageous. It was outrageous. And uh, of course, Grand Wizard holding the championship he had just won and Vince McMahon says, "Look at the smile on the kisser." Of the Grand Wizard. You don't hear that terminology much anymore. The kisser? Uh, yeah. That's probably because it's offensive in 2019 or something. I mean, that was Vince McMahon, and then I think uh, Gorilla Monsoon carried on that tradition of talking about people's, yeah. <laughs> right people's kisser. kissers. Yeah. But I don't think I hear that much anymore. Yeah, yeah you don't. So uh, there's a lot of delay. We talked about the rubbing of the oil onto the body and the muscles of billy graham but uh a long delay before we get to the opening bell they're posing for pitchers with the championship as well so it takes a long time for the bell to officially ring and then maybe we know why because mike madero is a train wreck right off the street he fails <laughs> to get himself into a headlock doesn't know how to take a headlock he is put in the ropes and he's being clubbed in the uh chest with forearms doesn't know how to sell, just sits there <laughs> and just sells awkwardly, if at all. He goes into the turnbuckles strangely. He is thrown over the top rope once to the back of the ring and once out to the front of the ring. And he, the time he's thrown oh. over the top rope to <laughs> right in front of the cameras, he made it count in oh, front of the cameras. brother, he just... I had to have busted his O-ring on, on that one. <laughs> just broke his asshole. Like, I, I imagine like when he got to the back, like just underwear full of blood. <laughs> like he landed right on his ass. Like holy shit. And uh, and this guy, I mean, he took it when he when he brought him back in. He took a, a bump on his ass in the ring too. So it's just like, all right, this guy is a psychopath. And then he is whipped into the ropes, and <laughs> he whips whipped into the ropes, comes off the ropes. <laughs> Back first. <laughs> he runs back first. Do you, do you know how to rip stuff and make gifts, Mike? Because I think you should have done this. Uh, maybe I could try. We'll see what we could do. But completely terrible. So he, he runs into Billy Graham, who looks like is attempted looks like he's attempting a German suplex, but ends up being like a a wrestling throw essentially, where he lands <laughs> kind of on his side, half on his stomach. It, it looked like uh, Billy Graham saving this dude's life. <laughs> <laughs> I, said, and I mean, Billy Graham is no wrestling savant as well, but he was, looks like friggin' uh, Bob Backlund in comparison to Mike Madero. <laughs> yeah, this guy was just a piece of garbage. <laughs> so he gives him that throw and essentially pins him, puts him out of his misery. One, two, three. Superstar Billy Graham is the... Uh, Continues flexing afterwards, impressing everybody. God, what a physique. <laughs> <laughs> it's something else. And of course, no replays because the enhancement guy was uh, god-awful. I'm not sure we got that across. Plus, we'd rather watch Billy Graham flex anyways. Yes. And then we go from there to our main event... Of the evening. What a main event it was. This match is going to one fall or curfew, a tag team affair as the former WWWF world champion, Stan the Man Stasiak, and his tag team partner, Baron Von Raschka, take on 
Larry Zabisco, the future living legend, and helmet hair Tony Gurria. <laughs> One thing that really stood out to me right from the start was Stan Stasiak, first guy I think on the entire show to have like writing of, of any sort on his pants. He says, the man. So I thought that was pretty cool. The only other one that had anything that wasn't just like plain something was Billy Graham with the tie-dye. So. Right, right, right. So yeah, the it looked like that iron-on stuff. <laughs> yes. that the only like one font that they had in the seventies, which was that it's like Cooper, I think is the name of it. If you go and look at fonts today, like all the T-shirts that guys got made, like yeah, Dusty like Wahoo, sucks eggs yeah, yeah, basically Wahoo. I broke Wahoo's leg. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> essentially, all that one font. But yeah, he's had the man down his legs. So this tag team match, uh, Baron von Raschke or Baron Raschke to the layperson. Had the exact same physique his entire career. He looked exactly the same as he did in 1989 as he did here in 1977. <laughs> yeah, pretty sure that's accurate. How does that happen? I, I, I'm so envious of people that keep their same physiques. Like, how how does that happen throughout the years? You, Look you, 40 when you're 20. <laughs> like, I, I guess. I guess. I mean, I, metabolism. What? How does this? I don't know. I guess looks I'm like just, it was terrible his whole life. <laughs> <laughs> probably. So. The heels are pounding on uh, Zabisco and Gurria early, just uh, pounding meat, or no, is it pounding meat or chopping meat? Chopping meat. Pounding meat is what uh, you're doing these days, I'm sure. (laughs) What does that mean? (laughs) Okay, moving on. (laughs) There's uh, hammerlocks by the heels, and then uh, behind the referee's back, they are punching him in the peck, which I'm sure uh, smarts. Heart punch. Well, no, that wasn't the hard punch. That was something else. It was just in the side of like the pec oh, or like me. the underarm. Softening but, up the heart. I, I, I guess he was softening it up. Yeah, softening the arterial wall. Okay, we'll go with that. <laughs> so uh, Tony Gurria gets the first hot tag of the match pretty early on. Goes wild. A backdrop on Baron Von Raschka. And then gets cut off. And so uh, Stasiak goes for the heart punch in the corner. And Gurria moves, and Stasiak heart punches the buckle and sells the hand. So then Stasiak makes the tag to Baron, who takes over. He misses an elbow drop, and then hot tag number two to Larry Zabisco. The crowd goes crazy when Larry Zabisco comes in. Larry Zabisco is a, a hot baby face here. He is. He's the uh, protege of uh, Bruno Sammartino. Built like Bruno Sammartino at this point, too. He's like, I, th- I thought very similar looking physique yeah, to, well, yeah. to Bruno. Yeah, very uh, compact. and uh, Yeah. So uh, Stasiak and Baron both end up getting locked up in the ropes. Hey, Mike, we're talking, about, we're talking about Larry Zabisco. Before you go into that, I have a shirt on here, Mike. How, what would Larry Zabisco <laughs> call the group on this shirt? <laughs> the New World Odor. <laughs> Thank you. Continue. Oh, fuck's sake. <laughs> Didn't get enough of that in the uh, Monday Night Wars. <laughs> Not quite enough. Holy Toledo, he stunk. Um, so <laughs> Stasiak and Baron both get, end up getting locked up into the ropes. You know, the old uh, Andre the Giant spot where they fall back and the ropes get wrapped around their arms and they're basically crucified in the ropes. I love that spot. I, 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 I love whenever I work in a ring with rope, I always do that spot. Oh, really? Yep. <laughs> Larry and Tony take turns sprinting across the ring, coming back with big boots to the chest. I just want you to put in some appreciation for the guys tied up in the ropes, because when you're tied up in the ropes and somebody hits one of the other ropes, it's devastating. Really? Yeah. It hurts your arms like hell. 
that's some uh, inside information from uh, little, pro wrestler. Little inside baseball there for you. Exactly. So uh, Von Raschke gets taken out of the ropes and ends up getting whipped into Stasiak, who's still in the ropes. Very awkwardly. With very underwhelming results, yes. <laughs> Crowd loved it. <laughs> Crowd loved it, but you just hugging on to him, basically, on his shoulder. I want to go back and work in front of crowds of the 70s. <laughs> yeah, I know, huh? So Stasiak ends up back on top. He, he goes to hard punch Larry Zabisco on the mat, but misses again and ends up selling the hand. Hot tag number three? Nope. Baron ends up coming into the ring to help Stasiak. Here comes Tony Gurria. All four guys in the ring. Big melee. And almost immediately when the fourth guy comes in the ring, the bell rings. I thought this, oh, the referee. I thought it was a throw out. I, thought, I it, thought it was a yeah, disqualification because the referee says four guys in the ring. There was no tag. This is over. But as it turns out, Gary Michael Capetto announces that this was a wrestling to curfew draw. <laughs> what the hell is wrestling to curfew? The... The, TV uh, time remaining, essentially. They had to get out of the building at a certain time. So, I mean, it was, it was a work, I'm sure. You I, think, Mike? I think so. Wow. Wow. Look at you. <laughs> You're such a detective. <laughs> <laughs> That's the kind of insight you get here in the wrestling podcast. One For Christ's sake. Uh, news, <laughs> news flash. Pro wrestling's a work, folks. So you finish the show with a draw. Not exactly the high note to go out on, right? Probably nobody wanted a job in that, <laughs> that match. Why would you? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we're not exactly leaving the audience on like <laughs> I know, but again, just it's not the television programming that that anybody who's alive today would be accustomed to. No, and this is going to be a, a fun part of going through this whole thing with uh, trucking f- f- through the territories is you just every time. Yeah, because it gets progressively worse every time you do it. <laughs> is that we're just going to see like you know wrestling in the seventies and eighties and how the fans take to it, how the the wrestlers perform. It's going to be a lot of fun to. Uh, Go across the country and see what was happening out there. And I, like you said, we haven't seen like any of this stuff, so it's going to be a really fun ride across the country. Yeah, this was. I will say this is a fun episode to to go back and watch. It wasn't nearly as bad as I thought it was going to be. Like I thought this was going to be like pulling teeth and and like pretty dreadful, but uh, I thought I thought it was actually pretty fun, and and it made me really look forward to some of the other stuff. I'm sure I'm sure we're not going to be as fortunate all the time with some of the stuff we watch, but uh, I thought it was fun. I thought it was uh, much better, exceeded my expectations by quite a bit, it may, may, maybe because of the, the fellas who were on it. Yeah. Like, it was this, a- this was like all top level talent at, at, at this point. Yeah, we saw the brand new uh, Worldwide Wrestling Federation champion there as well. Lots of good stuff on this show, and uh, just uh, a little sad that we didn't get to see any promo work, but we'll rectify that uh, next month when we hit our next territory so that's going to be coming up next month the wrestling podcast about nothing but first we want your feedback tweet us at the wpan on twitter with your take on this week's episode your thoughts on our brand new segment trucking through the territories and use the hashtag wpan plus call the voicemail line we want to hear from you in 2019 401-584-9726 that's 401-584-wpan let's get that thing hopping in the new year we want to hear from you we will play your voice on the wrestling podcast about nothing 401-584-9726 brian this past week on twitter you were very surprised that someone said they were going to the big show in Derry, New Hampshire. Yes. Astromania is coming March 30th, 2019, to the Pinkerton Academy in Derry, New Hampshire. 
and someone else is coming there as well. Oh, yeah. I was very shocked that you accepted my invitation to come to Astromania on Facebook only. But the question I have for you, Mike, are you buying a ticket or are you refereeing? Well, I can't get a freebie. No, it's to raise money for the Pinkerton class of 2019. We're not giving away free tickets to this thing, Mike. If, uh, you know, it's either you got to work or you got to pay. I'm good for it. <laughs> Are you? <laughs> I've, heard, I've heard that one before. <laughs> well, we'll see what happens. I mean, uh, it's a new year, new me. Is it? I gotta I'll get to the gym tomorrow. <laughs> you, can, you mean you can't start a diet in the middle of the week, right? No. I mean, yeah, New Year came be... on a came on a Tuesday, so I mean, you can't. And that's a holiday, so you gotta you gotta eat like shit down that day, and then you can't start a new diet and extra exercise regime on a Wednesday. So. That doesn't make sense, right? Right. So Monday, Monday morning. Eat, eat like garbage Tuesday through Sunday. <laughs> Monday morning, it's going to be a brand new Mike Crockett. And when you see me at Astromania, whether it's wandering around the uh, facility or whether it's in the ring, you're going to see a brand new Mike Crockett. I'll say that right now. <laughs> well, ho- hopefully so, because if you're officiating, you'll be, uh, you'll be officiating my match, which will be me and the Bruiser. And I'd like you to not be as big as we are. So <laughs> that'll take away from the mystique, <laughs> won't it? Yes. <laughs> All right. So astromanialsw.com for tickets, right? Yes. Astromanialsw.com. Tickets are 20 bucks for floor seat, uh, $15 for general admission. Buying your tickets ahead of time gets you in early, gets you a better seat no matter where you're sitting. If you buy general admission floor, you're going to get in before people who didn't buy tickets. So you will get better seats. And you said they are selling quite well, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny that the floor seats are selling pretty well. So um, not quite to the clip that Cold Fury is selling for Chaotic Wrestling, but which is super impressive. But uh, yeah, floor, floor seats are selling pretty quickly. I would say we're approaching halfway, halfway point on our floor seats. So if you want floor seats, if you want to get to Astromania and you want floor seating, I would suggest... Uh, Getting to AstromaniaLSW.com because I believe this week they go on sale to the Pinkerton staff and, and students and stuff. So get the tickets. Go there. Do it. It's going to be a great night. It's going to be a super fun event. So just to be clear, there are no front row seats to purchase. You have to get a floor seat and then uh, if you buy them in advance and you get there first in line, you get in early and you can grab a front row seat, right? Exactly, yeah. We're going to do a general admission floor, general admission bleachers. So if you buy a floor seat ahead of time, you get in earlier and have a better chance at a better seat. I'm anticipating that we are going to sell out uh, floor seating ahead of time too. So So first come, first serve. Exactly. So get your tickets. That's how we do it, baby, in New Hampshire. Get your tickets at AstromaniaLSW.com. Speaking of the Bruiser, you did announce the Beer City Bruiser coming to Astromania to team with the Kingpin. I presume in the main event, but who knows at this point? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know how the card will shake out, but uh, certainly, hopefully, we are a big attraction, both in size and in drawing power. So, <laughs> so uh, the Bruiser also announced this past week he re-signed with Ring of Honor. Was that this past week he announced that? I thought it was like last. It might have been last weekend. Yeah, but it's, well, it's we since ta- we, we taped. talked about it on. No, it's no, we talked about it in the last episode. Oh, we did. Yeah, because that's how I. <laughs> that's how I inadvertently found out. Uh, one of the stories on the Dirt Sheet Shuffle. Uh, yes, you're right. You are correct on that. But set. yeah, he did re-sign with Ring of Honor, so very exciting there. And that's good for the bouncers. I mean, unless someone snatches you up, Kingpin, right? Well, I mean, I am a free agent. You are still a free I agent. Am, I am still a free agent, Michael. 
people are a little confused by that online when you said it on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, I was really being a smartass, you know what I mean? Like, because like so many people were declaring free agency, and everybody, of course, knew like the elite was free agents on January first. So I thought I'd put out a smartass tweet on uh, of. It's January 1st, and I'm a free agent, and I think kind of said something along the lines of, of course, I've been a free agent for the last 17 years, but... Right, right, right. But who's really counting, or something like that, and yeah, I mean, I had people, I mean, I had people asking about if I was leaving Ring of Honor, or if I was no longer with them, or I was getting private messages with the same kind of questions. I, I am still with Ring of Honor in the same capacity as I have been for about two years now. Um, yeah, you've said this before. You're just on a per night basis. With yeah, them. yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, that's not a, that's not a bad thing. That's a great thing for for them and for me. Plenty of freedom to do whatever you want. Yeah, I mean, having said that, I would love to sign a contract with Ring of Honor, and there's no place I'd rather be <laughs> destroying any negotiating power I have right now. <laughs> I know, but I, I was very I'm very honest with him about it. There's no place I'd rather I'd, I'd rather be. That's uh, where I want to be. It's what. Uh, I want to, where I want to be in 2019 and beyond and, and really want to carve out a nice little legacy and some history for me and the bruiser there in Ring of Honor. So uh, I certainly don't anticipate going anywhere and hopefully I'll be locked down into Ring of Honor on, under a deal at some point in the in the near future. That's my goal. That's 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 one of my goals for 2019. So and I just destroyed any leverage I have. Yeah, what the hell are you doing? I'm, I'm going to be paying them to work the shows. <laughs> what the hell are you doing there, Kingpin? Uh, speaking of Twitter, do we want to talk about the, the trolls? There's especially one troll this past weekend that was uh, getting on you and the bruiser. about Oh, uh, last night about sit-ups or whatever? Yeah. There's two of them. I ended up blocking both of them. Nah, I'm going to pay them no mind. I, you know, I was going to do it today. I was going to uh, rip them apart like and try to sick people on them online. But, yeah, it's not worth it. If you're... I actually kind of feel sorry for these guys, these two fellas, two uh, very, if you look at their Twitters, very pro right wing craziness, like extreme right wing sort of fellas. Yeah. Uh, so I was like, oh, okay. All right. I see what I'm dealing with here. And uh, just not sane people who tweet insane things. And uh, <laughs> like the going after me and Bruiser for being fat was probably the least offensive thing on their, <laughs> on their Twitter feeds. So just pure garbage human beings and Cold, nothing uh, happening fellas yeah yeah and uh you know what i kind of look at it like if you are that miserable with your life that that's gonna bring you up then have at it make fun of me for being fat i know i'm fat it's cool man yeah whatever makes you feel better yeah i mean i rip on you for being fat all the time you <laughs> son of a bitch <laughs> so uh let's talk a little bit about uh, some in-house stuff with the podcast of course we really want you to go back and listen to the past two episodes you know we had the holiday break a lot of people kind of put the podcast aside for the break and maybe end up skipping those episodes but really think you should go back and listen to episode 140 where we talked to tk orion you should you talked to i should say tk orion and Vinny marcelia two-thirds of the roh six minutes they would have you basically essentially <laughs> uh, two-thirds of the ring of honor world six-man tag team champions in the kingdom with uh, matt taven you talk to them quick 10 minutes with the kingpin and then we unearthed the lost footage the lost audio <laughs> we, we dusted it off Tommaso Ciampa, we talked to him in the early days of this podcast in 2016. We were never able to release it, but we have highlights in that episode two episodes ago with Tommaso Ciampa, the NXT champion, the current NXT champion. A lot of good stuff in there. Can we give him a teaser? Let's give Please. him a teaser, Mike. I don't want to tell you what's on. You have to go back and listen to that episode if you want, but let's just say Tommaso Ciampa isn't the only member of the, of the Ciampa family that I have... Uh, 
had um, encounters with, physical encounters with. Ooh, you tangled with a couple of champions. <laughs> yeah, a couple more. Three to be, <laughs> three to be exact. So. so listen to episode 140 for all that information, for all that good stuff. Episode 141 last week, the uh, we talked about the Dirt Sheet Shuffle. We mentioned that earlier. Could be the last. Woo! Champion. Could be the last Dirt Sheet Shuffle. Putting you right in a retirement. So you are 11 and 9 now on the Dirt Sheet Shuffle? Uh, I've won the majority of them. Okay, technically. No, it's not no, technically about it. I've won the majority of them. Okay, that is true. We'll Thank say you. that, yeah, to the letter of the law, that is correct. <laughs> but uh, we might not see that again because... Because <laughs> you're, 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 you're a quitter? <laughs> it's a tough nut to crack. <laughs> this is like uh, this is like when you screwed up the finish with John Walters and CM Punk and, he, and you walked away from Ring of Honor. John Walters and CM Punk. Right, was that, was that the match? No. No. It was uh, Matt Seidel and somebody. Oh, okay. So this is like that time in Ring of Honor where you where you where you you, you essentially lost and you threw in the towel. Maybe. <laughs> Just throwing sal- ceremonial salt into your wound right now. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we also talked about the ones to watch in 2019 last week. Yes, and we forgot uh, somebody who I did have on my list, uh, but you uh, wanted to take the low hanging fruit and. Just to kind of in that confusion and conversation, just forgot to mention Brad Hollister, who Big Bacon, yes, Big Bacon, who was on my list. I'll I'll screenshot and show him my list if he if he doesn't believe me. He was on my list. He's the Northeast Wrestling Heavyweight Champion. He had a big 2018 with Northeast Wrestling. Had a dark match with Ring of Honor. Uh, might have had a couple. I don't remember if he had. He might have had two dark matches with Ring of Honor this year. I think he did. Um, so uh, big things coming for for Big Bacon this year. He's another one who I think by the end of the year will be under contract somewhere. That's a really good bet. A really good bet to take. Uh, Brad Hollister, of course, we've had him on the podcast in the past. We had him with Justin Tunis, uh, Hammer Tunis, of course, at the Fenway Park episode where we talked to a number of people two summers ago. So go back and check out that episode. <laughs> How was that two years ago? Way back in the archives. <laughs> take a look at that one. But uh, Brad Hollister definitely one to watch in 2019. And as I mentioned, we had the powwow. We had the meeting after the episode we were, was recorded last week. And we've come up with a schedule which is very good for me because it seems like <laughs> since the summer, since the baby came, uh, we've kind of been flying by the seat of our pants when it comes to what we're doing week to week. A little bit. A little bit. I mean, <laughs> we end up coming up with good ideas, but it's a little bit like, what are we going to do this week? What are we going to do this week? So we came up with a schedule. Uh, we won't get into it all right now, but let's just say every week something different for the wrestling podcast about nothing. And we'll get more into that uh, as the weeks progress here. Yes, and you don't want to put that out there just in case we have to pivot. <laughs> there might be a chance that, that happens. So uh, stay tuned. Next week, we'll have more information on that. And if you want to check out something else here, how about Booking the Territory, the unprofessional wrestling podcast with Mike Mills, Harbody Harper, and Doc Turner. They do two episodes a week. Sundays, it's the Smoky Mountain Show. Thursdays, their flagship show where they're talking about Jim Crocker Promotions, the old Saturday Night 605 show, mikemills.podbean.com for Mike Mills is uh, booking the territory, the unprofessional wrestling podcast. And another classic show that we're all about is our vantage point, the retro wrestling podcast with Joe Morata and Michael Quinn. They do it uh, every week, every Monday. So right after you listen to this episode of the wrestling podcast about nothing, check out OVP. Just go to OVPpodcast.com for all the latest and greatest from the retro wrestling podcast. Quality audio. Quality audio. <laughs> Greetings from Allentown. With PW, Peter Winson, and he's uh, doing it every Thursday 
on his own feed and the Pro Wrestling on the feed on Place to Be Nation. So check out Greetings from Allentown. He takes his single episode of wrestling television, kind of like we did this week, but I don't think we're stepping on uh, PW's toes here. Who gives a shit? Holy Toledo. Well, go check out Greetings from Allentown. He is uh, one of the best at reviewing television wrestling. The best, Sherry. The best. The best. So check out Greetings from Allentown. And finally, the Rundown Wrestling Podcast with Jason Stewart, Adam Salzer, Troy, Sal, all the rest over there. Who stuck up for, for me and the Bruiser last night. He did. Was that Jason Stewart on the uh, Rundown uh, Wrestling? I'm assuming, yeah. I think so. Well, they have a brand new website, Brian. It is rundownwrestling.com. And there are so many shows over there on that feed. To keep track of them all, go to rundownwrestling.com. Check out all the great shows they got going on over there. They got one for the 205 Live show. They got one for NXT. They got a Sal who reviews all the WrestleManias. They got Nitromania, which is Adam Salzer watching Nitro from week to week. He never watched it uh, back in the day, so he's watching it for the first time now. And, of course, the Mothership. The uh, flagship show, the Rundown Wrestling Podcast itself. So all great podcasts over there. Check out rundownwrestling.com for more on the Rundown Wrestling Podcast. Brian, it is time for this week's promo about nothing. But before we get to that, you are hitting the highways and byways, crisscrossing this great nation of ours, plying your trade as a professional wrestler, and you got those 2019 dates? I do, Mike. Uh, this f- Saturday night, excuse me, I almost said Friday night, this Saturday night, oh. I'll be heading to Atlanta, Georgia, Bad Street, Atlanta, GA, Mike, for Ring of Honor's international TV taping. Uh, me and the Bruiser will be doing something. I don't know what we'll be doing yet, but we'll be in the house. I'll be in Atlanta. So uh, we'll have to figure out a recording schedule, I guess, ahead of time uh, I guess for so, huh? next week, because I know you get very antsy when I travel. So mm-hmm. uh, speaking of things that are going to make you real antsy, Mike, Ring of Honor is going to the great state of Texas the last weekend of the month. I don't know what dates I'll be on yet, but I'm pretty sure I'm heading to the great state of Texas. Ring of Honor, of course, is there uh, for three nights. It's Tag Wars returning for the first time since 2016, I believe, which Bruiser and Silas Young won. So hopefully me and the Bruiser will be winning Tag Wars because if we do, we get a tag team championship opportunity at the anniversary pay-per-view in March and we'd be in the Crockett Cup. The who? The Crockett Cup. The Mike Crockett Memorial Cup. I know. We'll s- Memorial? Jesus. <laughs> we'll see if I'll let you into the Crockett Cup. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. But Ring of Honor is coming to Dallas, Texas on January the 24th. That's a Thursday night. Friday night, January the 25th, they are heading to Houston. And then Saturday night, January the 26th, heading to San Antonio. Now, I must say that I did have to adjust some local dates uh, that I was intending to be a part of uh, because I I will likely now be heading to the great state of Texas. Please check out these Northeast. If you're in the New England area, check out a couple of great Northeast wrestling events uh, on January the 25th uh, in Poughkeepsie, New York, and then in Waterbury, Connecticut on January the 26th. Check on northeastwrestling.com. Like I said, I was originally scheduled for those events, but uh, won't be in attendance now because because I would likely be in the great state of Texas. So I still want to give Northeast Wrestling a plug because they do a lot for me. <laughs> they, they fill up my calendar very full. I love working there. They put on great shows. Uh, one of the best companies out there. Uh, so please show them your support and go check them out if you're in the in the Connecticut, New York area. Anywhere in the New England area, make the drive. They're worth it. And then February the 1st, Mike, Friday night, Chaotic Wrestling, Lowell, Massachusetts. I'll be in attendance. Apparently, I'm in a New England championship gauntlet. I can't figure out. I mean, I've already been to the top of the mountain three times, but apparently I'm just happy with going up halfway up this this time. Gold is gold, brother. <laughs> gold is gold. 
<laughs> I'm kidding, of course. A very prestigious title that I've uh, that I've held. A, I don't know. Do you consider yourself small and prestigious? <laughs> well, maybe not so small, but <laughs> I am very prestigious. So we'll stop there, Mike. I'm I'm rambling. I don't know how long we've been going. It feels like forever, but uh, that feels like a good place to stop. ChaoticWrestling.com. Tickets and card info. All right, if you want to book the Kingpin in 2019, email Brian Malonis at Comcast.net or DM him on the Twitter at Brian Malonis. Brian, this week's promo about nothing, I think is from the year 1988. And it involves a gentleman we lost last week. Of course, mean Gene Okerlund, who is the very best at what he does. Just a guy who, I don't know, he was always on. He always had a quick line, a quick quip, if you will, to really feed off of the talent or to give the talent something to feed off of uh, when he was interviewing backstage. And he just great at what he did. Yeah. I mean, we're talking obviously about Mean Gene Okerlund. And uh, I think I, th- I think if, if words ever defined my childhood, it was the words of, let me tell you something, Mean Gene, like probably define my childhood. But uh, his old LJN figure, I, I, you know, I kind of feel like it's probably the figure I played with the most just because I had to have interviews before every match and who else is going to do the interviews besides Mean Gene. It's a little strange though because you got to kind of have him at arm's length because he's got that pose where his arms are like the <laughs> yeah, huge wingspan. Why would they ever think that was like a good pose for that LJN? But I don't know. I remember that, that the top of the microphone of mine broke off. So Really? Yeah. Didn't have a lot the, of wear and tear. Yes. Didn't have the top of the microphone. But yeah, Mean Gene Okerlund. Uh, very sad uh, that, he, that he passed away. And uh, I, I never got to meet Mean Gene. Uh, did you ever get to meet Mean no. Gene? No. So, uh, yeah, a little bummed out. There's those guys that, uh, you know, that you run into, you know, that they're they're booked for indie shows, but never got to run into me and Gene. I was supposed to be on a show with him, and he uh, didn't make it to the show. I don't know if he was under 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 the weather or something. Or that he no can't. show, no call? He had to cancel for some reason. I, I, no, I, I believe he was sick or something. Um, so... But, yeah, Mean Gene Okerlund, uh, kind of the voice, uh, the soundtrack of our of our youth. Yeah, and he was supposed to be actually in New England for the New England Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame, I think, this I June. Did, yeah, I did see Rich Palladino talking about that on his on his Facebook. Yeah, and he had been there a couple of times in the past, but too bad. Too bad Mean Gene at 76 years old passes away. But this promo of nothing... Put that cigarette out. <laughs> exactly. This promo of nothing, not so much a promo, but it's a segment. I just wanted to look back at this. It's a lot of fun. Mean Gene Oakland with uh, Lord Alfred Hayes, who is also no longer with us. And this is a segment from All-American Wrestling. Actually, it is kind of a blooper almost from All-American Wrestling. I believe it's 1988. But let's take a listen to this week's promo about nothing. He is a classic. I think that's what you'd call Brutus Beefcake. Right, Lord Alfred Hayes? If you say so, Gene. Sterling Certainly. performance. Absolutely. Stiff upper lip. Yes. What do you have there in your hand? This is a cricket bat, Gene. I you... form in a cricket team. I've Ooh. already asked Vince McMahon. He'll play. Yes, maybe we can get uh, Vinny and maybe some of the some of the other boys. Come on, sir. I like to I like to bring in a ringer from maybe Brazil or Portugal or someplace like that. Uh, that just exactly. Now you use a ball to play cricket. Is that correct? <laughs> that is correct. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Very informative we are. Yeah, right. <laughs> let's, uh, let's bring you up to date on the travels of the World Wrestling Federation as we tour the country. <laughs> All right, a sterling performance, I'd have to say, on the part of Brutus the Barber Beefcake. 
Lord Alfred Hayes, my very dear, close, personal, long-time friend, part of our broadcast team here on the World Wrestling. What mm -hmm. is that you have in your hands? It's a cricket bat. A cricket bat. You play a lot of cricket? Uh, no, I'm trying to get a team together. What is that you have in your hand? Well, you and I obviously have different ideas on uh, the definition of a good time. You know what I mean? <laughs> I can see that. Hey, control yeah, yourself, sorry. man. I'm awfully sorry. Please, this is no place you to break You play your out. game with the ball? Uh, well, there is a, the ball. There's a ball in the back of the tank there, and a tank. That's where I I, that's kind of a ball. So you don't actually sort of... <laughs> Watch the backswing. <laughs> yeah. Alfred, always nice you could drop in. I can't think of too many more exciting moments we've had here in the Sports Control Center, but as I say... Can I put I'll... your name down for the team? Well, of course you can. Who are we going to have for there. cheerleaders? Uh, we'll have Jean, I suppose. Yes. How about a couple of the Federettes? Mm, okay. Okay, very good. Right now, let's bring you up to date on the travels of the World Wrestling Federation. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just illustrate here what is happening. Of course, you got Lord Alfred Hayes with the cricket bat over his shoulder. And you have Gene Oakland with what over his shoulder? Uh, toilet plunger. Yes. <laughs> so I, I, This is kind of fun. It's two takes, obviously, completely off the cuff, which is basically what me Gene is known for and what basically wrestling back then is known for. All-American wrestling, Gene Oakland would fill when there's not matches going on, probably half the show, right? 20, 30 minutes of time with just off-the-cuff shit. He'd say, you know, they'd probably tell him, hey, you're coming out of a, you know, Brutus Beefcake match, go. Yeah, it was really All-American Wrestling, which was like his his show. His that baby, the, yeah. The Sunday show, uh, which I would watch every Sunday, but I, I don't know what... The the comment the well, you play cricket with a ball and they lose their minds and I can't figure out why it's so funny. Like... It's, yeah, you play cricket with a ball. And, and then Gene, I think, just started going with it and just laughing uproariously. I don't think he was really that broken up about it. <laughs> Lord Alfred was. <laughs> he certainly was. <laughs> and uh, the whole, uh, there's a ball, well, there's a ball in the back of the tank, obviously referencing the toilet. Yes, yeah. But, and uh, then your idea of a good time, or our ideas of a good time are very different. <laughs> like. There's a plunger involved somehow. <laughs> I don't want to really think too much. You probably see that mean, Jane. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I watched Legends House. <laughs> oh, <laughs> holy balls. But anyway, I just thought that was fun. And it's kind of a little off the beaten path in terms of the uh, promo about nothing. Not essentially a promo, but a good time. Yeah, I, th I think one of the things I love the most about Mean Gene as we kind of wrap up here is he would actually challenge, like, the wrestlers. Like, he, he, w he wouldn't just accept whatever they're saying or, like, if wrestlers would try to intimidate him, he wouldn't, he wouldn't like, cower or he wouldn't, like, go for it. Like, he was, like, a hard-nosed, like journalist type like i remember him um even when like the nwo turned and hogan turned like like he's like lecturing hogan so I, I one of the most memorable things about him i think was just he wasn't like just like a pushover just the opposite of what happens today <laughs> yeah they're just they're just a a faceless nameless person with a microphone in their hand who stares off into the distance at the end of every promo and it's kind of funny because tonight on Monday Night Raw, they're going to have a tribute to Mean Gene Oakland. Uh, Hulk Hogan's coming back, Ric Flair, a few others, I think. And it's kind of funny. like They're celebrating this guy who they've essentially eliminated his position. They eliminated anyone with any <laughs> charisma who is a part of the broadcast team. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't understand it, but 
you know, maybe the, they'll do the tribute, see the videotapes, be like, oh yeah, that was really awesome. Maybe we should do that again. Maybe this show should be awesome again. I mean, Renee Young has something to her. Well, she's on the commentary desk now, though. But like the pro- right. all the pro- backstage promos are just like, to me, the person is supposed to be completely anonymous, and they ask like, you know, questions are complete pushovers if they get intimidated, and then they they that awkward like stare off and like oh okay like yeah, pondering sense. pondering very hard what was just was said it's so stupid there'll be no difference if they weren't standing there yeah because exactly. there's not a leading question it's basically what do you think and then the guy just goes yeah gene felt like gene felt like it was he was like an actual like journalist there's a back and forth yeah yeah and he felt like he was like he was a journalist and that was his job to get the scoops and things like that. And later on, even when he was pushing the 900 number in WCW, like it felt like Mean Gene Oakland was there as a reporter to get the scoops and interview these guys and ask them hard questions. But it doesn't happen today. Too bad. RIP Mean Gene. And you've heard this promo about nothing. If you want the full picture, find the link to the video in the description of this episode or at the WPAN.com. All right, we'll be back here next Monday for episode 143 of the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing. Till then, he is the Kingpin Brian Malonis. I'm Mike Crockett. Big ups to Mucko, and thanks for nothing.